So glad you're here worshiping with us today. Again, if you visit with us, uh, there's a visitor's card in your bulletin. Make sure you fill that out. Throw it in the uh, blessings box. That's where we give our tithes and our offerings to God and help do the ministries that we do here at True North Church. And it gives us the opportunity to connect with you. Um, as Ben mentioned, um, the videos that we're going to start doing, that we're going to do once a month, maybe more, a little bit more often. But that sort of puts a family with a face and a name and all that up on the screen. Like, oh, that's who that is. And introduce themselves to you and one to another. And it makes it a little easier and breaking the ice. You can go up to me after church like, hey, saw the video. Now I know who you are. And so I hope and pray that as we come to worship together and worship God, you start connecting with one another as well. Uh, that's how we do this life together. It is so hard, so tough. And really, that's the focus of today's message as well. So what I'd like you to do is grab your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, we have them in the back. We'll bring one to you if you need one. Just raise your hand. We'll make sure you get one if you don't have one. We're going to be in the book of Genesis. So you can turn to Genesis chapter 39. That's where we're going to begin. As you're turning there, I know it's been a while. I believe it's uh, 1996. Yeah, that was a long time ago, wasn't it? What year is this? About 18 years ago, does that sound right? 1996, Michael Johnson was running in the Summer Olympics. And uh, I remember exactly where I was at this point in time. Uh, matter of fact, I was in the Dominican Republic on a mission trip at this point in time. And uh, it was at that Olympics in Atlanta where Michael Johnson set an Olympic record in the 400-meter race. Now, I know we got some tracksters around here. And I know we have kids that like to uh, run. So let me sort of see, who is in track, who maybe you're not in track, but you like to run? You raise your hand, I want to sort of see, we got some tracks, good, I knew we had some. Yeah, that's what I thought, okay, good. Right, okay, some of you are dreaming, but that's good, I like it, okay. <clears throat> I haven't started preaching yet and you're already dreaming, okay. If you can imagine, the 400 meter is, is a fast race, I mean, you know, you think about how far around the track it is and, and where you're running here. And, and Michael Johnson, 1996, set the Olympic record uh, running to 400 at that particular race with 43.49 seconds. Okay, so that was the Olympic record in 96. And uh, you have to think about who he was. He also uh, owned, beat his own record and the world record, but he also did the same thing in the 200 meter as well. The fastest man in the Olympics to win both events at one Olympics. It was quite a task. And although he set the record for the 400-meter race, he was no match for the collective efforts of four team members coming together to run the 4 by 100 relay. Same distance, but now instead of him just running it by himself, now he's got four teammates each running. Now, teamwork is obviously something you hear a lot of, but individual success, no match for a tight unified, committed team. Now, I, I share that with you because I want you to hear this. 43.49 seconds is what Michael Johnson did. Now, the men's 400 team did it in 37.4 seconds. That's six seconds plus faster. Now, I, I share that example with you because I want you to understand. By yourself, it's hard to accomplish a lot of things, but with a team, you can accomplish it much better. Let's keep that first thought in mind, okay? Because a wise teacher by the name of Paul once, once said this, that every part of the body is needed. And it's indispensable for the functioning of the body. 
He said this, the body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts. And though all of its parts are many, they form one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Wouldn't that be sort of funny? Eyeball talking. Don't need you, hand. Oh, really? Who's going to take that contact out of your eye? Oh, yeah, I never thought about that. Oh, I, I got some dust in my eye. Can you help? Nope, you said you don't need me. I'm just going to hang out over here. Paul's pretty smart when he's writing this, right? He went on to say this, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Boy, that donut looks good on that back table back there. I'd like to go back and have some of that. Feet said, you don't need me. We're staying right here. Uh-huh. Again, Paul's a pretty wise guy for writing this, right? On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with honor. Paul said the body comes together to function as one, as a team. Think about this. Any of you worked on a, uh, any of your uh, dishwasher washers, any appliances at home lately where a part fell out or a part broke, and you sort of pulled out and said, where does this go? Probably don't need it. Throw it, right? No, it's not going to work without it, most likely, right? Same thing with your vehicle. If you're uh, the owner of a car or truck and you have something fall off or break, you understand the value of having to replace that broken part, to fix it, to find out where that came from. This past winter, as the snowplow was going through many multiple times, we found a couple things in our driveway, and one was uh, a part to the bottom of a vehicle. We looked at that and we said, I hope that's not ours, okay? We climbed underneath our vehicles looking, nope, okay, it doesn't belong to us. Then we were a little worried about who it did belong to, where that vehicle was at probably getting fixed somewhere. I thought about this. You just need all those parts to come together to make it work. Mia Hamm, just to use another sports illustration, Olympic and World Cup champion, soccer player, she once said this, soccer is not an individual sport. I don't score all the goals, and the ones that I do usually score are the product of a team effort. I don't keep the ball out of the back of the net on the other end of the field. I don't plan our game tactics. I don't wash our training gear. I don't make our flight plans. I'm a member of a team. I rely on a team. I defer to it and sacrifice for it because the team, not the individual, is the ultimate champion. Again, I share all of this with you because in Genesis chapter 39, we come across a 17-year-old boy who we think it's a story is about him, but it's about him and a few others. It's about a 17-year-old boy who understood, I can't do this by myself. I need other people to help me. I need God to help me. I cannot win by myself. Now, we learned last week, as we started this series, uh, Facing Defeat Victoriously, we learned about Joseph, how he, he experienced a horrific event at age 17. Again, put yourself in his sandals, not shoes, his sandals at age 17, losing your favorite coat that dad gave you. Nobody else. You got it. Really signified the birthright and, and the significance of position in the family. He lost his family, lost his home, lost everything that was familiar to him as he was thrown into an empty cistern. Bruised, abandoned, disclaimed, sold into slavery, and yet in the midst of this horror, God did not depart from Joseph. God is working not only for Joseph himself, 
but also for larger purposes in God's redemptive plan. And we shared that last week and also shared it in the email this past week. We can't see the outcome of our destiny and dreams, right? I believe God's given us all dreams, a, a destiny, a plan for what we're going to accomplish in this life here on this planet for Him, for His sake. But sometimes we can't see it where we stand from, and sometimes we won't see it until later. But we know that God's given us something. We can lose a lot of things in life, but God still chooses us to fulfill that dream and destiny that He's given us. What is it? Repeat after me, God is not. Now don't say it, don't say it. I'm going to say something that I want to hear you say really loud. God is not. When all seems gone, let's try that again. When all seems gone, God is not. When all seems gone, abandoned, abused, disclaimed, so it's like, when all is gone, it's right, it's all gone, right? Guess what? God is not. God is not. Let's look at Genesis chapter 39, starting in verse 1. Now when Joseph arrived in Egypt with the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, a member of the personal staff of the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Potiphar was a captain of the palace guard. We need to understand it was, he was like the head of secret service. Okay, you can imagine whoever's in charge of watching over the president of the United States to make sure that he is protected. Let's figure out who that person is right now. Okay, that, that would be Potiphar in this situation. Very important position. Okay? Let's read on verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph and blessed him greatly as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. So Joseph naturally became quite a favorite with him. Potiphar soon put Joseph in charge of his entire household and entrusted him with all of his business dealings. From the day Joseph was put in charge, the Lord began to bless Potiphar for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs began to run smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. So, jo so Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't have a worry in the world except to decide what he wanted to eat. What an incredible thing. Joseph arrives in Egypt, but not alone. Let me hear you say, not alone. He arrives in Egypt, but not alone. God arrives with him. Through all that he has gone through, I'm sure he's feeling alone. When you look at verse 2 and verse 3 again, you see the phrase, the Lord was with Joseph. That sticks out like a sore thumb, doesn't it? I mean, if you're reading chapter 37, all that happened with Joseph, then you go to 39 and you're reading, and, and then it's like, the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. Never abandoned by God. And all that Joseph went through, he was never alone. It may appear he may have felt he was alone, but he was never alone. Joseph's ordeal was probably worse than any of us have ever gone through. Yet God did not abandon him, even in the smallest way. And if God allowed Joseph to be a slave, then he would be a successful man, even as a slave. I want to make sure you understand and hear that because here's the thing. We often, and I, 
raise my hand on this one. We often complain to God and talk to God about the difficult places that we are put in sometimes. God, why now? Why this? Are you kidding me? Again? Okay, been there, done that, doing that, okay? And you wonder why. Yet God's will is that we trust Him in those moments to bless us and make us successful wherever we are. God doesn't say, hey, if you're at the top of your business or you're at the top of your game or you're at the, the top of your position, whatever it may be, that's when you're successful. God says, you could be at the bottom and still be successful for me. Because that's where Joseph was. He wasn't in the palace yet as a king. He wasn't second in charge of everything. He was a slave, and he was successful. He was abandoned, and he was successful. He was hurting, and he was successful. He missed his family, and he was successful. The same principle lived out by the followers of, of Jesus today, us. Wherever we are, no matter what we do, by the way we work, whatever situation we're in, God can still allow us to be successful there because God is with us as he was with Joseph. Let's look back at verse 3. Potiphar notices and realizes that God is with Joseph, that he's given him success in everything he does. This pleased Potiphar, and he's like, this guy's on. God is blessing him. He could be complaining right now about being a servant, but he's not. He could be complaining right now about being alone, but he's not. He's handling himself very well. God's blessing him. I want you second in command next to me. Besides figuring out what food I'm going to eat, you got the rest, Joseph. It's your hands. Puts him in charge of his entire household. And from that day on, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household as well. Because Joseph remained godly and trusting God in the midst of the circumstance, God not only blessed Joseph, but the place that Joseph served. You know, it would have been easy for Joseph to do what we often do. Think a little of our position. Oh, someday when I get out of here and I get over there, it'll be better. Where I'm at right now, this is just horrible situation. It stinks. I don't like it. Do you ever think that maybe God says, no, I want you to be successful there where you are? And maybe as you move on, we'll make you successful there too. But right now you're here for a reason. But I'm just flipping burgers at a restaurant. Oh, you'd be the best burger flipper for God then. Well, but I'm just pushing a broom in the hallway of a school. Amen. Good. Then you do it for God and for His glory. You make an impact for eternity where you're at. We learn that a blessing can be brought upon our workplace in the presence of godliness through us. That's an amazing thing. One author states this, and listen very carefully. Clearly Joseph rose to the top, but it took a while. Joseph was how old when he got into slavery? I've said this about three times. Let's see if you already heard it. How old was Joseph when he got sold? 17, okay? Now you read on in Genesis um, 41 that he was 30 when Pharaoh promoted him. And he had been in prison two years prior to that. So 28 minus 17. Math majors in here, give me the answer. With confidence. 28 minus 17. I'm sorry, did I get that right? 28 minus 17. Maybe I gave you the wrong and you're saying, now you gave us the answer in the equation. 
28 minus 17 is what? 11. All right, I knew we had smart people in here. 11. So 11 years he was with Potiphar. Oh, wait a minute. All we read was five verses. Five verses? He was really successful. Yeah, but you know how long those five verses lasted? 11 years. See, again, we're in that mentality of advancement needs to take place now. Healing needs to take place now. Success needs to take place now. Championships happen now, you know. I get my food now, so everything else should happen now, right? No. 11 years. God allows things to develop. Sometimes he allows things to develop slowly. Compare child development to that of a child or an infant animal being developed. With, with humans, it takes the longest development both inside the womb and outside during adolescence for a child to develop than any other thing. Compare an animal. I mean, some of those babies are coming out and they're walking like that. But not with humans. Development takes a while. It takes many years for an acorn to become an oak, and yet a squash might grow overnight. It's amazing how things develop differently. And sometimes we think spiritually we become giants overnight. Not so. When Joseph came to Egypt, he was really at a great disadvantage. Didn't know the language. Didn't know the culture. Didn't know the people and what, how they were going to react to things or how you do business. So I'm sure he had to get up early, probably stay up late, and really invest in doing his job for Potiphar the way it needed to be done. In his loneliness, please listen to this. In his loneliness, he chose to work. In his abandonment, he chose to work. I repeat that over because a lot of times what we often do is, I'm lonely, I'm hurting, woe is me. So in the midst of that, we choose not to work. We would rather maybe sleep in. We would rather abandon things. I'm not going to show up today. I'm not going to... In his loneliness, he chose to work hard. He chose to shine for God. He did not allow his emotions of loneliness gloom over himself or his place of work. It's an amazing thing. So how did Joseph handle his loneliness? He trusted God and he worked hard. He faithfully served God where he was at in spite of his circumstances. I mean, how could he do this? That's easy for me to get up here and say, hey, this is what Joseph did. Now, people, let's go do it, right? That's, that's the call. That's the charge, right? But how? How do we do that? I want to encourage you to write down a bunch of verses. We're going to put these up on the screen. I would say write them down, go back through them in those moments when you feel lonely, when you feel abandoned, when you feel like, I don't know how I'm going to keep going here. I really want to serve God faithfully, but I'm just not feeling it. Okay, I understand. A lot of times I don't feel it. You still need to trust and move forward. Okay? First one is Exodus chapter 33, verses 12 to 15, and I'll read this to you. But Exodus 33... I'm sorry, I gave you the wrong scripture, Dan. That's my fault. It's Exodus 33, 12 to 15. Okay? One day Moses said to the Lord, You've been telling me, take these people to the promised land. 
but you haven't told me whom you're going to send with me. You've told me, I know you by name and I look favorably on you. If it's true that you look favorably on me, God, let me know your way so I can understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. So we have Moses talking to God saying, God, really, you've told me all this, but if it's, if it's for real, I need to know. I need to fully understand this. And this is God's reply, verse 14, Exodus 33, 14. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses. Wouldn't that be awesome to hear God's audible voice and say, I will personally go with you. Well, that's good because today where I got to go, God, it's a little scary. He went on to say this, Moses, I'll give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, I will never leave this place. God says, I'll personally go with you. And Moses says, because if you don't, God, I'm not moving. Here's the deal. I'm not moving unless you go with me. I don't want to be out of your favor, and I don't want to go alone. Even Moses understands that God is not with us when we walk forward in life. We'd be better off not walking forward in life. To be in God's presence is where we need. And God says, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. Psalm 51 Verses 10 to 11 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Now listen to verse 11 then. Do not banish me from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. David's crying out, God, don't leave me. Don't leave me. I need you here with me. I do not want to be alone. And then he later claims this in Psalm 139, verses 8 to 10. If I go up to heaven... You're there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the farthest oceans, even your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. You are there. In these scriptures, we hear a repeating theme. God is with us. Let me give you a couple more. Zephaniah 3.17. Zephaniah 3.17 says this, For the Lord your God is living among you. This is one of my favorite verses. Matt Redman wrote a song. Um, I'm trying to think. Father's Eyes, maybe I think it is. Um, from, this, from this scripture. For the Lord is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight over you with gladness. With his love, he'll calm your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful singing. He'll rejoice over you with joyful singing. God sings over you. Hebrews 13, 5, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God said, I'll never leave you, nor will I abandon you. Job 23, 8-10 says this. I go east, but he's not there. I go west, can't find him. I don't see him in the north where he's hidden. I look to the south, but he's concealed. Job is basically coming out and saying, I'm looking for God. I don't see him. I don't see him. I'm looking all over. But listen to what he says then. But he knows where I'm going. And when he tests me, I will come out as pure gold. Job says, I don't see God. I'm looking. I don't see him. But I know he's there. I know he's there. And there's times I feel that way too. It's like, God, I'm not seeing you in this moment, okay? But I know you're there. 
And when I get done with this, whatever this is, a trial, a test, whatever it is, I will come forth as pure gold. Job didn't sense it, but he claimed it. See, his emotions did not triumph over his truth. Just because you feel abandoned doesn't mean you are. Make sure that truth always triumphs over emotion because our emotion can get the best of us. When I took a trip to the Dominican Republic many years ago, and it may have been 1996, I can't remember which one it was, there's about seven of them. I went that year saying, I want to do something with the kids. I believe I've shared part of the story with you before. And so I actually went to a magic store in um, Defiance, I believe it was, picked up this little um, thing, and you know, I'm going to give away the magician's trick here, okay? But what it is, you, you put a small thing, and you can hide it in your hand, and then you can put it up to your mouth, as you put it up to your mouth and you start to pull, and you ever see the magicians when they it's like they're pulling like, I don't know, like a laundry basket of rags out of their mouth? You ever seen that before? It's like, man, it keeps coming. Okay, it's really a compacted, in, this one was, compacted into this little ball thing, and you can hide it in your hand, and I got the little Dominican kids around me, and I was like, come here, come here, come here. And like, Americano, Americano. It's like, ah, I have no clue what you're saying, but okay. And I pulled it out and said, watch this. And I start pulling it, pulling it, pulling it. And this, uh, it was really a paper, uh, crochet type um, material. And as I like go on and go on, there's a big pile at my feet. All these little Dominican children, their eyes were big. And like, oh, oh. And then all of a sudden, seriously, it was just crazy. It was like, boom. I mean, like 20 kids dove at my feet. And you just see things flying everywhere, and they're gone. They jumped on that pile of trash. The paper mache paper, okay? The kind of stuff that we hang for parties, okay? And it was gone. And I was like, what just happened? I thought I was, you know, giving them a great magic trick. Next thing I know, I mean, they're, they're, they're gone. The next day, I was walking through one of the barrios, their neighborhoods, and a little, uh, little child came up to me and go, Americano, Americano. And he sort of, come here, come here. So I went with him, and he took me into his little shack, his little house. Again, their houses are like the size of one of our bathrooms. I mean, it's just... How they live is incredible. And he went in there, and he was big smile on his face. Medicano, Medicano. Big smile on his face. And he sort of introduced me to, you know, his family. They're all over the place. And, and then he pointed up to the wall. On the wall was part of that paper cachet that I had taken out of my mouth, okay? And he had put it on the wall. It was now their new masterpiece. It was their work of art. It was on display for everybody in the family to see. And I'm sitting there going, that's just trash. T to me, it was trash. I mean, it was just a trick and trash. There it is. And it was, what we do, we pick it up and we throw it away in the garbage and haul it off to the dumpster, you know. And what do these kids do? They grab that trash and put it up on the wall and say, no, that's our art. It's beautiful. See, sometimes we feel like that trash. Sometimes we feel like we've, we've been spit upon, we've been treated badly, we've been abandoned, and it's like somebody just picks us up and hauls us off and God says, no, 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 no. And God picks us up takes us into his mansions and puts us on display for all the angels and say, come here, come here. And all the angels look at my work of art. And he does that with each and every one of us. Sometimes we feel abandoned and worthy of being called trash. That is not true. You are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. Take your cries. Take your pains, take your feelings of abandonment, take your feelings of, I don't understand why I'm going through this right now, 
take it to God. Why do you think the book of Lamentations is in the Bible? It's an incredible book filled with grievances. Psalm 142 verse 2 says, I cry out to the Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints before him. I tell him all my troubles. Wait, isn't this the same author who says he's, he's here with me? He's, he loves me? Isn't he? Yeah, yeah. And this author is still honest enough to say with us and you to say, and I pour out my complaints to God. I talk to him about this. Let me sum up where we've been so far with all this, okay? Here's the first thing. One, let's be real with God. Let's, let's share with him how we're feeling, okay? Two, let's trust the truth of God's word of who we are and that God is with us. And here's the third thing. Get plugged in. Look at the person next to you and say, get plugged in. And you're sitting there going, well, what are you talking about, right? Get plugged in. Connect with somebody, with a group. Matthew 18, 20 says, For two or three are gathered together as my followers, I'm there among them. God says, I want you to get together because I want to be with you all. Hey, would a hungry person avoid food distribution? No. Would a homeless person avoid a shelter in January? No. Would a sick person avoid their doctor's appointment? No. So stop avoiding God and stop avoiding God's people. We do that when we hurt spiritually. We do that when we feel alone. I'm, just, I'm not going to go to church because I'm going to feel even more alone. I'm not going to go to church because I just don't feel like. That's the one place you need to be. You need to get plugged in. You need to be involved with other believers. Can you imagine a team playing without communication? They lose every time. Can you imagine a church, a unit, a body, not communicating with one another. We have to talk. We have to learn to talk. We have to go up and meet people. You're not alone. That's why we challenge you. Get into a community group. In a couple weeks, we're going to have a potluck meal. Some of you have filled out those red cards and say, I want to be in a group or I don't want to be in a group. That's great. Those of you who said, I want to be in a group, on that day when we have that potluck after church, we're going to put you in your groups. We're going to introduce you to each other. We're going to start getting you together, getting to know more people in the church and connecting. And if you haven't signed up yet, go for it. Now, I'm going to show a video clip now. Now, this clip, very educational, very challenging. Okay? We've been talking about connecting, how you need people. You, God didn't create you to be alone. God is with us. So this little clip, it's about 15 seconds long. It really means a lot to me. I, you know, I was like searching, saying, okay, God, I need something really that speaks truth, that says, I can't do this alone. I need people with me. I, Joseph did it with you. We need to be with you. We need to be with others. So we're going to show this clip. Hopefully this helps you drive home a point. Okay. I'm all alone. There's no one here beside me. My problems have all gone. There's no one to deride me. But you gotta have friends. Stop singing! Yeah, okay. I knew one kid would know it. Okay, so it wasn't that educational, but isn't that true? Sometimes we're like that big over Shrek. We're just like, I want to be alone. I want to just build my walls around me, around my house, leave me alone. And then we got somebody like Donkey that comes along and really annoys us with a friendship. And we just want to kick that donkey to the curb and say, get out, quit, leave me alone. I'm trying to be angry right now, okay? You're really spoiling my, my grumpiness, okay? God didn't create you to be alone. God didn't create you to, to waddle in your emotion by yourself. God is with you. 
and he wants us to connect with him and others as well. Look at Genesis chapter 39, again verse 6 through 10. We read about how Potiphar gave him everything. You know, he was, he was ruling over everything responsibility-wise. And if you sort of notice there in the verse, it says Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man, by the way. There's only two other people that mentioned in the Bible, I believe David and Absalom, that ever talked about their physical appearance. So this is sort of highlighted for a reason here. Okay, Joseph is this good-looking man, okay? Verse um, 7, Potiphar's wife soon begins to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demands, but Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in the household, including you. No one here has more authority than I do. He's held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could, listen to this, how could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. But she kept putting pressure on him day after day after day. And understand this. Potiphar's wife, him being a very well-charged man, okay, his wife is probably a knockout, okay? Because of his position and who he could marry, who he could be with, she was probably good-looking as well. So you've got this probably good-looking lady with a very good-looking young man, and she just keeps putting pressure on time after time, day after day, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. Way to go, Joseph. I want you to think about this, okay, because we're talking about on your own. Because what happens when we're on our own? First of all, we believe lies. That God isn't with me, that I am a piece of trash, that I'm, uh, this ain't going to work out. What's the second thing that happens when we're all alone? We hook up with the wrong people. We hang out with those people we should not be hanging out with. Joseph in his loneliness at this point in time could have solved all the loneliness issues and saying, hey, here's somebody that likes me. Here's somebody that wants to be with me. I could get rid of all this loneliness and I could, you know, basically say I deserve this because look what all I've gone through. My brothers beat me up. They took my coat. They sold me off. They treated me horrible. I'm away from my dad. Uh, my position is gone. I, oh, and I'm a slave. Oh, I so deserve this right now. Don't make matters worse by doing something you'll regret. One act in the flesh, poor exchange for a lifetime of lost legacy. In our loneliness, in our feelings of abandonment, it's very easy for us to make a bad choice and blow it all. How will you be remembered? You know, when I was in uh, a few years ago, we went to this restaurant. I always love going to this restaurant. Matter of fact, it sounds so good right now. I would say it, but I want on podcast. I don't want to blow it for anybody. Okay, so but I think of this restaurant. I would love to go there, but. We were there one time, and that one time, Jenny ate something that did not agree with her, and she got some food poisoning. So because of that, we've not eaten at that restaurant for three, four, five years. I don't know how long it's been now. It's been a long time. So every time we drive by, it's like, oh, yeah, we can't eat there. Sorry. Um, hey, you want to eat? Can't eat there. But see, that one time, that one bad burger, whatever it was she had, whatever it was, that one opportunity— now it's done. Never go back there again. Just because her stomach turns every time she hears it. That's just a restaurant. But what about your life? One bad choice can send your life in the wrong direction. One bad trip. 
do what pleases God. Genesis 39, 9 says, No one here has more authority than I do. He's held back nothing from you except me because you're his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a sin against God. Oh, don't we see that on sitcoms and TV shows today? Guys and girls walk into each other's apartment. Hey, this is a wicked thing. It would be a sin against God. I shall not go in the other room with you. Oh, wait. That's totally the opposite of today's culture, isn't it? Boy, how times have changed. Sin has a way of tempting and luring us away from God, away from others, and eventually away from the church. Because when we get caught up in all of this, we end up away from where God wanted us with Him. One intelligent author, pastor, said this, Stupid don't fix stupid. Good quote, right? Do what pleases God. Joseph chose to run. And as he ran, he kept his character, but he lost his coat. Because Potiphar's wife grabbed onto his coat, and he ran. And she held his coat. And as he ran, he's holding her coat, and then she cries out rape. And guess who goes to prison? Joseph. As you read on in verses 11 to 23, it's the rest of that story. His choice to be obedient to God, to not give in in his loneliness to a wrong choice, cost him his freedom and he was put in prison. His reward for his hard work, his clean choices, his godly character? Prison. Genesis 40:15 says this, For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of Hebrews, I, and now I'm here in prison, and I did nothing to deserve it. At least he's honest. God, I didn't deserve this. And here I am. Remember, intended evil becomes good. Paul's prison gave him the opportunity to speak and write. When John was exiled to an island, he saw a glimpse of heaven and he got to write a book. When Lazarus died, it set the stage for the great miracle of his resurrection. Intended evil becomes good. Could this be a moment of test for you or I? Could be. In your moment of feeling abandoned, your moment and emotions of feeling alone, could this be a moment where God is just working in your life right now? Psalm 66, 10 through 12 says this, For you've tested us, O God. You've purified us like silver. You captured us in your net and laid the burden of slavery on our backs. Then you put a leader over us. We went through the fire and flood, but you brought us to a place of great abundance. We went through some rough times, God, but now look where we are. Thank you. James says this, you know when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. See, Joseph trusted God. Joseph served faithfully. Joseph chose no pity parties. He said he chose compassion for others because when he was in prison then, here's a incredible story. Highlight this real quick. While in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker had a dream one night, and each dream had its own meaning. When Joseph saw the next morning, they looked upset. Why do you look so worried, he asked them. Let me think about this. You're back in prison because you chose to do the right thing. You once again are lonely and feeling abandoned. And now you've got two guys in the same cell with you who had a dream. Listen to this verse again. 
chapter 40, verse 7 of Genesis. When Joseph saw him the next morning, he noticed they looked upset. Why are you so worried today? Did you see what he did? He could have sulked and isolated himself in isolation, just sort of loneliness in the corner of that cell and said, I don't, I don't, I don't want to know about your problems. I've got enough of my own. But instead he did this. You look worried today and upset. Is there something wrong? Can I help you? Oh, you, you wait, wait. You mean in his loneliness he reached out to others who were hurting? Yes. Yeah, that's a great lesson for us. It may seem hard when you're abandoned and lonely because you want to throw that pity party, but love those who God loves. You might be going through a rough time, but you know what? Somebody else is as well. Maybe in the midst of your pain, maybe you can actually go minister to somebody. And God will work through that moment. It may seem hard, but God is with you. And knowing when God is with you, you team up with other believers too. Team up with the right people. Team up with the right people. In the meantime, love others. You know, um, when I thought about all this, and I wanted to sort of wrap it up with a story. I had an incredible story about uh, the miracle at Q Creek, which is uh, a mining situation in Pennsylvania that took place. I'll send that out in the email because I, I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'll just be personal with you and share you my story, okay? Because my story happened the other night. And so I thought, well, forget the mining story. I'm going to share you my story. Um, and because some of you even asked about how Carter's doing, and Carter's just fine. Um, but Friday night at a baseball game, ground ball hit to him at shortstop, and it hit a rock and veered in a direction that he was not prepared for. And it hit him below the eye, and he even tried to duck out of the way, hit him below the eye, broke his inferior um, orbital floor bone. And uh, when it happened, and some of you were actually at the game, I mean, everybody went out right away. Coaches went out right away, brought him off, and, and he came off, and I had a nice packet to see him, and his eye was completely shut, big egg there, and, and uh, took him right to the hospital. And that was around, I don't know, 6.30, quarter 7. We didn't get home to about quarter. We didn't leave the hospital till almost midnight. So about five and a half hours in the hospital waiting to see what was going to happen. Um, and he actually became very jokey. I mean, you know, it was at first, you know, concern in that. Um, he has contacts, so his contact was in, you know, he couldn't even, didn't want to touch it. Um, but as he sat there, then he started joking about different things. Hey, I got sunflower seeds in my back pocket. You think it's okay if I chew some right now? Like, uh, sure, son. Um, so he sort of joked around and we made some fun comments like, you think you have to wear a mask? Yeah. He had like a Darth Vader or a Star Wars mask or something, and that would intimidate other ballplayers. Yeah, you know, so it's sort of joking, jovial. But it took a while until we finally got into a room, and then it took a while until we got to a nurse, and then it took another hour until they decided, hey, let's do a CT scan, and then, hey, it took another hour until we got that back. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of wait time there. It was a very lonely time because where we were in the ER, we were back another hallway. <laughs> treatment room 15 way back here and I would, I would actually wander out of the room at times like did y'all forget about us we're back here in another hallway another hallway and look at the nurse's station and like just checking okay back here and wander back and and you know and I was trying not to be patient try to be very patient but when you're sitting there with the son who's in a little bit of pain and things don't look oh you know and rang the little buzzer for the nurse one time and 
Yep, can I help you? Yep, just making sure you know we're still here. Um, do you need anything? Yeah, doctor? Okay, cool. Um, so we waited a little more, and the doctor come in, looked at him, and eye function is great. Um, his, the swelling started to come down a little bit. His vision is fine. He can see, no blurriness, no double vision. You know, the eye movement is good, and that made him feel really good. Okay, it made me feel really good. And then, you know, so he comes out and we do the CT scan. So another hour and a half later after all that, comes back in. Then he's like, um, okay, so you broke so you broke the bone. And I'll explain it more. And um, Monday you need to call the surgeon. You um, probably have to, might have to do surgery on it and so forth. You're done with sports four to six weeks, so forth and so on. And then about that time, Carter's like, Dad, I'm a little dizzy. Um, I don't feel good. It's like, okay, just relax, you know. And I think all the emotions, just, you know, he was feeling so good, all the emotions just hit him. Then as a parent, you just want to save the day, right? Mm, what can I tell you to make you feel better? And there's that moment as a parent, and you've all been there, when you feel so lonely, you don't know what to say to make the situation better. Can you imagine what Joseph was going through as a 17-year-old, all alone in a new land, so abandoned? We've not gone through Joseph situations like Joseph, but we've all been there where we feel alone. We, we feel abandoned. Like, what am I supposed to do in this moment? Trust God. There's a big picture of this. You know, for me, it's like, it could have been worse. It could have been, no, it's going to be teeth. It could have it been the eyeball. You know, my dad's having surgery on Tuesday. I'm saying, you know, it could be so much worse, right? We know people who have, who have you know, gone into the hospital and not come out. We know of situations where a relationship comes together and that relationship is no longer together. We've been there. We've seen it, and it hurts. And we say, God, where are you at? I feel really lonely right now, right? Trust God. He is with you. As he was with Joseph, he is with you. And as he is with you, remember that truth. In your pain, in your questioning, don't go make a bad choice. Team up with the right people. Get connected with other believers. Get in a community group. Get in a small group. Get with other people and say, you know what? I might feel alone, but I am not alone. And look for somebody else that you can minister to. Because there's probably somebody out there hurting more than you right now. And God's helping you understand how you can maybe minister to them in your pain. Amen. Would you stand? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that we could gather to worship you today. And Lord, as we look at this, this chapter in this part of Joseph's life when he was alone, and, and even as alone he tried to make the right choices, and then it seemed like it backfired and got worse for him, he did not give up in remembering the truth that you were with him. And Lord, today's message is not to make us feel bad, or, or, but Lord, but I hope and pray that today's truth encourages us. I hope and pray, Lord, that today's scriptures that we read about that you are with us, that that is something that can put a little smile on our face, that can put joy in our heart and say, I'm not alone. You are here with me and you'll help me make the right choices and you'll, you desire for me to team up with you and others. What an encouraging thing. And Joseph's story is not a story of pity party, but of victory. 
He found victory in the midst of defeat. He found victory when he should have given up. He found victory when he was alone. He found you, God, because you are with him. God, I pray that you lay that upon our heart today, that you are with us. That we can worship you now as we sing, that you're with us. But that we can rejoice. Lord, if we are in pain right now, if we are alone, if we are feeling abandoned, Lord, speak to our hearts. Heal our hearts. Erase the emotions and give us truth. Help us to minister to others. Help us to connect with others. Now, Lord, help us to sing to you, to worship you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for this time. In my name we pray. Amen.